We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 508 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. It is the day of the first workout for pitchers and catchers at National Spring Training in West Palm Beach, Florida, as manager Davey Martinez and his players, his boys, are back. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, proud of the boys. Well, I'm not sure how often uh, Davey will be proud of the boys this coming season. We are probably in for another long season for Davey and the boys, but good to have Nat Spring training getting going. This also is the day on which pitchers and catchers are reporting to Orioles spring training in Sarasota, Florida. Yes, spring training season has arrived, even though it technically Still is winter. Spring training in the winter. Major League Baseball is funny. It has the winter meetings, which in taking place in early slash mid-December actually happen in the fall. And MLB has spring training season, the bulk of which actually technically happens in the winter. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, I don't know what will happen first. MLB figures out its seasons or the commanders hire an offensive coordinator. But we do know that the commanders on Tuesday interviewed Greg Roman for their offensive coordinator vacancy. As we await what is going to happen with Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, the commanders on Tuesday did interview former Baltimore Ravens, former Buffalo Bills, and former San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator Greg Roman. Next segment, I will address the Ravens hiring an offensive coordinator and apparently not even interviewing Eric Bieniemy, perhaps clearing the path for Biennemi to join the Commanders. And I also will conduct a deep dive on Greg Roman as a welcome to the podcast, Ravens film analyst Ken McCusick. 
it still seems as if the enemy is the commander's top offensive coordinator target, but I'm not at all dismissing Roman, especially considering that our commander's head coach, Rod Rivera, he wants a running game-oriented offense, and Roman is regarded as perhaps the best running game schemer-upper in football. Uh, What would the commanders be getting in Greg Roman? What is the truth about Roman with passing offense? What went wrong with Roman and the Ravens? A great X's and O's breakdown of Greg Roman next segment with Ravens film analyst Ken McCusick. Uh, Also on the show, a busy night on Tuesday night games for the Capitals, Wizards, and Georgetown basketball. I'll talk Caps, a 3-2 loss to the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. This off major news on Tuesday morning, winger Alex Ovechkin is out. He is dealing with, quote, a family matter and the health of a loved one, end quote, uh, as was announced by Cap Senior Vice President and General Manager Brian McClellan on Tuesday morning. And said Cap's head coach Peter Laviolette to reporters on Tuesday morning regarding Ovechkin, quote, I don't see him back in the foreseeable future, end quote. Uh, I do have an upbeat Wizards segment for you. Yes, I said upbeat and Wizards in the same sentence. Uh, A very nice win for our Wizards late night on Tuesday night. Well, you were doing who knows what late night on Valentine's Day night. Don't tell me. I don't need to know. Uh, The Wizards were registering a blowout win at the Portland Trailblazers. 126-101 was the final. Kyle Kuzma returned from his four-game absence caused by a spread left ankle, and he was tremendous. And yes, we also had the Hoyas. Uh, another loss for them. Wah, wah. Uh, they fell to one and 15 in the Big East with a 76-68 loss at Seton Hall on Tuesday evening. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Thelonious Funk on the Commanders, writes Thelonious, as he brings the funk. Philly's dork (laughs) of a coach had them in Super Bowl 57. Our coach and GM want to play in Super Bowl 7 by employing a 2 to 1 run to pass ratio. I nearly threw up when I heard that. Now they want us to believe that Sam Howell is the guy. Con Ron <laughs> is pulling a work when the team is 500 or worse again next season. Howell will unfortunately get the blame. Ron is the new Jeff Fisher. Hopefully, Sean Payton was telling the truth about new ownership reaching out to him about the job. I can't wait for Ron to be gone. Keep up the outstanding work. Thank you for the email, Thelonious. Not a Ron Rivera fan, are we? Uh, Con Ron. <laughs> I like that. Well done. Uh, yeah, man, that two to one run to pass ratio comment from Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew at his and head coach Conron Rivera's joint season ending press conference on January 10th, a press conference that essentially was a love sonnet to running game oriented offense. Uh, <laughs> that comment is impossible to forget, even though I don't think that Martin meant that literally. He would be nuts to have meant that literally. Uh, Then again, he did say that, okay? He did say that. Uh, Email from Hagerstown Bob on Eric Biennemi writes, Bob, I've been listening to you faithfully since day one. I appreciate the daily updates on all major teams in the area, especially my Hokies. Regarding Eric Biennemi, the first time that I heard his name, I was confused about it. Eric 
the enemy? What? Now it makes more sense. Watching the Super Bowl, I was really impressed with Kansas City's offense, much more imaginative than what we've been seeing. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you for that, Bob. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah, Eric, the enemy. Uh, he has not been calling offensive plays for the Chiefs. Uh, head coach Andy Reid has been doing that. But the enemy has been very involved in the Chiefs' offensive game planning. That has been made clear. In fact, consider this from Rustin Todd of The Athletic in a piece on Super Bowl 57. The piece came out on Monday. Quote, the Chiefs used the extra energy to respond with a touchdown drive to open the second half, trimming the Eagles' lead to 24-21. But they also utilized something they had noticed in their film study and spent the previous two weeks perfecting. According to Henny, uh, that would be Chiefs backup quarterback Chad Henney, the Chiefs coaches had discovered that when the Eagles lined up in man coverage, they would overcompensate if an offense used a motion that looked like a jet sweep. On Saturday night, Bienemy had put a play up on the screen for everyone on the Chiefs' offense to see. It came from the Eagles game against the Jaguars earlier this season, and it featured Jacksonville receiver Jamal Agnew faking as if he were going in motion before stopping, reversing course, and getting open for a touchdown. Had he understood the offensive mind of Jaguars coach Doug Peterson, the Andy Reid disciple who had guided the Eagles to a Super Bowl championship five years ago. So he figured it would be open. He did not anticipate that it would lead to two touchdown passes for Mahomes, but that is what happened. The Chiefs using the look on a five-yard touchdown pass to Kadarius Toney before running it again on the opposite side to Sky Moore on a four-yard touchdown pass that gave the Chiefs a 35-27 lead with 9.22 left in the fourth quarter. The enemy put it on tape and said, hey, like, if they do this, this guy is wide open. It's man coverage, he said. They're just trying to protect themselves from the jet sweep and trying to bubble over the top and get an extra player on the other side of the field. But we faked the jet twice, and they didn't figure it out. End quote. How about that? High-level offensive game planning from Eric Bieniemy. Not Eric the Enemy. Well, if you need high-level legal representation, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace, it is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's Paulson at Nace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace 
that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, a big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast by most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, a subscription to the pod costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. Can be more, but uh, does not have to be. And thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. The expected did in fact happen on Tuesday. The commanders interviewed former Baltimore Ravens, former Buffalo Bills, and former San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator Greg Roman for the commander's offensive coordinator vacancy. Uh, The commanders on Tuesday morning tweeted that they on Tuesday were interviewing Roman for their offensive coordinator vacancy. As for the commanders interviewing Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, well, it just may be that Bieniemy now is the commanders to lose. The two teams that had come up as potential destinations for Bienemy were the Commanders and the Ravens. Uh, well, the Ravens on Tuesday morning announced the hiring of an offensive coordinator. Georgia offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Todd Munkin has been hired as Ravens offensive coordinator. The Ravens, as far as we know, never interviewed Eric Bieniemy. Uh, that was surprising. Now, there are other NFL teams in need of offensive coordinators. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Cardinals come to mind, but it just may be that if Bieniemy is going to leave the comfort of the Chiefs for an offensive coordinator job at which he calls the actual offensive plays, then the commanders are the spot. Uh, also on Tuesday, by the way, was the Carolina Panthers announcing the hiring of former Indianapolis Colts and former Detroit Lions head coach Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant on the coaching staff of Panthers head coach and former Maryland quarterback Frank Reich. Uh, as you may recall, Jim Caldwell had come up as an offensive coordinator target of the commanders. We, over the course of January 13th and January 14th, had multiple reports that Caldwell had turned down a commander's request to interview for their offensive coordinator vacancy due to wanting to pursue head coaching opportunities. Uh, Meantime, what about Greg Roman? You know, if the commanders are going to go with this running game-oriented offense, as was espoused uh, by head coach Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew at their joint season-ending press conference on January 10th, then it just may be that hiring Greg Roman as offensive coordinator would make the most sense. I mean, the guy is known as a running game mastermind, but what would the commanders be getting in Roman beyond the running game acumen. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast right now, Ravens film analyst Ken McCusick. Uh, he is very good at talking Ravens from an X's and O's standpoint. You could hear his work on his podcast, which is called Film Study Baltimore Ravens Talk, and you can follow him on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Hey, Ken, how are you? Looks good, Al. How about you? Doing well. Good to have you on. As I'm sure you know, there has been a lot out there about Greg Roman's tenure as Ravens offensive coordinator. He was the Ravens OC for four seasons, 2019 through 2022. Ultimately, why did his time as Ravens OC come to an end? 
Yeah, so four years of great run offense. Uh, it's been really a historic run in terms of what Lamar Jackson has brought the offense and pairing with Greg Roman was, was perfection, certainly at first. Uh, in 2018, Lamar was not much of a passer, and he came in, led the Ravens to a, a 6-1 and one stretch drive. 6-1, yeah, 6-1 and one stretch drive, and then ultimately the playoff loss to the, to the Chargers. But uh, they did it by rushing for over 200 yards a game while he was there, uh, Lamar doing a lot. In 2019, Lamar picked up, obviously, as a passer, had the MVP season, and the Ravens had the greatest rush offense of all time, and, and honestly, one of the greatest offenses of all time by many different ways. Start with 3.08 points per drive, which was, I think, the fifth highest in NFL history at that point. But when you add to that the fact that you're spending almost no cap on the offense, is it had an absolutely historic um, relative to cap value. So they did a wonderful job with that. They had good offensive linemen then in Yanda, Orlando Brown, and Ronnie Stanley all playing at the at the peaks of their uh, you know play as Yanda's last year, but he was still very good. Uh, Greg Roman brought a, a lot of scheme, and it was a lot of layered scheme. So he was continually surprising opposing defenses with new elements of uh, run scheme, things that hadn't been tried in a long time. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the history here. Is this good, Al? We continue with history here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. So 2019, uh, they ran out of the pistol for most of the season. And I, I don't know what the what you'll see with the commanders. I think it's going to be very personnel dependent, um, and particularly at quarterback. But they ran out of the pistol, which means Jackson is an edge threat in that. Now, why is that true? Because mesh handoffs come on the inside and to the left or right of the quarterback. And you have typically have a power back. Um, and in this case, it was Mark Ingram was was getting the ball a lot, uh, who will take most of that space between the tackles. And then they have other options like jet motion, uh, counter plays with two man poles uh, from left to right or right to left. And the uh, option to run the quarterback typically to the outside. So the, 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 that was extremely good. It worked very well. It, it took Lamar took very few hits. In all of 2019, because he ran out of bounds before contact a lot or with very minimal contact, so that was that was uh, you know one way to run the offense. The next year, um, in 2020, they had J.K. Dobbins. They they got him and they ran uh, more out of sidecar, and that changes the dynamic of Roman's offense a fair amount because sidecar makes the back the outside threat. He whatever side he's starting, the opposite side outside is where um, he will be the biggest threat. And so they did a fair amount of that, and uh, uh, that that changes Lamar to being the threat in the middle of the field. So all scheme, and this has basically stayed the same in the last three years, all scheme is devoted to making that defense pull itself out of position while the ball is still in the mesh point. So linebackers making a making a bad read in particular are something that Jackson's been exceptionally good at and 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 uh and been able to take advantage of it most of his, his opportunities come right up the middle and if you've watched him play in particularly the NFC East teams um, he's had some long touchdown runs the first time they've seen him in terms of right up the middle opportunities uh, uh against Dallas against uh Philadelphia both he, he had long touchdown runs against the New York Giants he had a long touchdown run too I don't I don't I can't remember if he had one against Washington or not but uh, but the NFC East teams have only seen him once. I obviously have had uh, had more uh, difficulty in terms of handling him. And the uh, you know it'll it, it'll be interesting to see how Roman runs the offense in Washington with the assets he's got. In fact, who will be, in fact be uh, running the show next year? I guess is still a question at this point, right? Yes, a lot is up in the air with the Commanders, given their ownership uncertainty. Uh, Greg Roman's first two seasons as Ravens offensive coordinator went well. 
And uh, those seasons included quarterback Lamar Jackson's 2019 Associated Press MVP season. But Roman's last two seasons as Ravens OC did not go as well. Now, Lamar missing a lot of time certainly did not help. But Lamar, in each of the last two regular seasons, has played in just 12 of the Ravens' 17 games. But to what extent was Roman at fault for the Ravens' offense these last two seasons, not being what it was in the 2019 and 2020 seasons? I mean, the Ravens fans notoriously overreact to anything Roman. And so basically, they would like to blame Greg Roman for everything that's happened to the offense. But the offense has had other issues. They've had some offensive line issues. Uh, And and as Roman's offense really needs a high-quality, consistent offensive line. The Ravens are extremely well coached there and had good success finding the players. I think they had a good offensive line again in 22. Um, in, in 21, I blame a lot of it on Jackson himself. It wasn't, it wasn't the same quarterback anymore, throwing some interceptions. Threw to Mark Andrews a little too much. Targets on the margin I, is one thing I always talk about. Tend to be less efficient as whatever you define as initial targets. Anyway, what that amounted to was uh, Andrews was getting a lot more targets, and he, and he threw nine interceptions throwing to Andrews specifically. So that's just an absurd number for, for one year, obviously, which really reduced his impact but they uh, uh in, in 22 jackson came back had what i think was a very fine year um never measured well by quarterback reading alone because it's lamar jackson's impact on the other 10 players on the field that is really significant it's not lamar jackson's personal passing impact although it can be in 2019 it's 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 how his impact does and roman's offense was really extremely good at maintaining that at maintaining Jackson as the focal point of everything, which improved all the players around him, offensive line, uh, skill position players, and even the defense to a certain degree. Because when you're getting leads consistently, it's a lot easier to play defense. We're talking Greg Roman with Ravens film analyst Ken Vicusic. The commanders on Tuesday interviewed Roman for their offensive coordinator job. A perception of Roman is that he's great at doing rushing offense, but isn't so good at doing passing offense. How true is that? Um, I, I think he's okay. I, 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 you know, there are better passing minds in the game. He really is primarily a guy who layers on rush scheme and, and sets up the pass of the run in a very traditional 1970s kind of way. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not West coast. It's not, uh, any, any of the things we've seen. Uh, Jackson is so special and different that what you have to do to set up an offense with him is very different. The biggest example is you don't have a check down receiver. So Jackson is his own check down receiver. So you want vertical routes as much as possible. Guys going deep down the field, Jackson extending the play and then creating the opportunity with his own legs as the check down. Uh, so you don't need Ray Rice in the, in the same way in that offense as Ray Rice was Joe Flacco's safety blanket for, for many years here. It'll be tight end centric. It always it kind of is. The issue that Roman kind of had with this offense was despite the tight end centric nature of it, it, it wasn't really a big play action offense. And Lamar's fakes were mostly forward-facing fakes into a mesh point. And they're not really as saleable as turn-your-back-on-the-field fakes. But turn-your-back-to-the-field fakes require the quarterback to reacquire the field after he turns back to it. So from from that perspective, uh, Roman may be working with a little bit of a blank slate, depending on who's at quarterback and, and how comfortable they are reacquiring the field and knowing what to expect when they turn back out of play action. 
Along those lines, another perception of Greg Roman is that he's bad for receivers. He doesn't get him any touches, and he asks them to block a ton. Now, I would argue that Roman with the Ravens, and maybe throughout his career as an NFL offensive coordinator, has not had a receiving core as good as what he would have with the commanders in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel. But what's your take on Roman with receivers? Well, they, they've lacked talent at the position during the Roman years. They've, they've had Marquise Brown, who was pretty good. And, and that's about all you can say about him. He's a deep threat. He does take the, the, the lid off the defense. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, the commanders are going to have some of that. And they're going to be able to, to threaten the largest percentage of the field that they can. So it's one of the things in, that makes Roman's offense or helps it run is you, you got to force the defense to defend every square inch of the field. And that's anybody's offense, by the way, needs to do that. Um, but, but Roman's offense will, will, will really want to do that. In terms of, the, of how he impacts individual receivers, it's a run-first offense. That's number one. Actually, it's number two. Number one is it's a Jackson offense. So everything revolves around what Lamar is doing in that match point, his ability to run. You know, he, he, Since he doesn't check down, there's nobody getting stats on that. So receivers tend to hate it. Uh, in terms of, of uh, you know how the thing is run, uh, it's it's the rare receiver, but it's usually the mature guy who understands that my chance to stay in this league is as an all around wide receiver who's happy to block uh, when it's my turn to block and, and and whatnot. And those guys tend to gravitate to the Ravens and have done very well. Guys like Miles Boykin um, got more out of out of what he really brought to the game than than I think uh, otherwise would have. I, I you know but. It, Rashad Bateman has not played very much in his two years in Baltimore. So that's also been an issue is they just haven't been healthy at wide receiver. They really were leaning heavily on him in 22 and then he got hurt and, uh, and had to miss the rest of the season. The Commanders have positioned Sam Howell to be their starting quarterback for the 2023 season. We'll see if that actually ends up being the case. But Sam is a mobile quarterback. Greg Roman has been the offensive coordinator for a number of good seasons for mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Alex Smith in 2011 and 2012 with the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick 2012 through 2014 with the Niners. Uh, Virginia Tech product Tyrod Taylor in 2015 with the Bills. Lamar Jackson in 2019 and 2020 with the Ravens. You've already addressed this somewhat, but how and why has Roman done such good work with mobile quarterbacks? Yeah, I think the, the key with Lamar, anyway, has been keep the focus on him. And Lamar is, the, what really makes Lamar exceptional as an athlete is the ability to read opposing leverage. And so that, that applies to the people are, uh, that are around the ball and understanding where their step is going, but also when he's got the ball in his hands. And Roman's offense was just created for Jackson from that standpoint. So whatever he does for Howell, it's going to have to be with a little different type of athlete. It may have different characteristics in terms of play action, in terms of, of how much he trusts Howell and how much Howell earns the trust, frankly, of being able to turn his back on the field and, and, and then reacquire it. Uh, so th- there are a lot of elements of that, that that will be different but similar, perhaps. And I, I don't expect this to look at all like the Lamar Jackson offense. I expect it to, to look different. Um, there, there have been uh, some late – calls had been late getting to the line of scrimmage. Let me put that differently. The Ravens have been late getting plays off a fair amount. And I think both Jackson and Roman each had fault, some fault involved. But some of the things Roman said about it would be p- 
part of the criticisms that I, I thought were the beginning of the end for him this year, saying that Lamar was getting plays off with one or two seconds left and, uh, you know, always at, at uh, risk of having a delay of game penalty. And it, it, he kind of had this Pee Wee Herman, I meant to do this kind of response to it is that that's like two minutes per game. We're cutting out by having, you know, six more seconds per play spread over this many plays. It's like, like, no, don't tell me you meant to do that. You know, why is this a problem here? And, I think part part of the problem, honestly, is probably Jackson. He's not relaying the calls well. He's maybe not processing them as quickly as he needs to, not turning them around in the huddle as quickly because we saw less of that with Tyler Huntley. It may also have been an indication that the offense was greatly simplified with Huntley. That's another thing that's been said. So with however you want to say it, if the, the only real criticism I have about Roman is his inability to get elements like that fixed and the Pee Wee Herman-esque response to it. Otherwise, I, I think he's been an outstanding um, offensive coordinator for the Ravens and clearly their best ever. Uh, you know, they've, they've, sh- they've changed horses a lot over the years and, um, you know, there's no comparison to the others. One more for you. The Ravens hiring Todd Monken as offensive coordinator and not even interviewing Eric Bieniemy. What's your sense of why Monken got the job? Yeah, I think, you know, if there's a, there's a, going to be a whole lot of conspiracy theorists that go with this, specifically in the sense that Harbaugh is kind of protecting his own job by hiring an older guy that he can replace or that he can, um, you know, keep keep uh, under wraps for a while. That he's not a head coaching uh, uh, competitor of his. I, I, there, there will always be those people. I don't really believe that's the case. I think what, what it, it's a nod to is they really appreciate how Greg Roman built the offense here. And want to stay with a lot of that. And Munkin will give them a very balanced uh, run and pass attack, I think. And, and they they don't want a gunslinger. I'm changing everything. I'm, I'm ripping it to, down to the studs and I'm, I'm starting over. Uh, I am very hopeful. This means that Lamar Jackson is very close to signing. Obviously, the next uh, three weeks will mean a lot to the Baltimore Ravens in terms of their history. Uh, whether or not they're able to uh, get Lamar signed or they're effectively forced to consider trading him. I think playing under the tag is not really one of the options, or at least it's a low probability option for 2023. So uh, this, this is a big three weeks for the Baltimore Ravens. I think Todd Monken is a guy who uh, is, is probably somebody Lamar will be okay with. I don't know to what degree he was involved in this process. They had a lot of interviews. I don't really know if if um, Lamar has been part of those or not. It's something I, I suggested would help graft Lamar to the Ravens better, but uh, but I don't know to what degree that's happened. Excellent insight. Ravens film analyst Ken McCusick. Ken, thanks a lot for your time and all the best. Yep, take it easy, y'all. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, we on Tuesday had multiple losses for the Capitals, even though they only played one game. Uh, Tuesday morning, big news. Winger Alex Ovechkin is out, and he could be out for a while. He is dealing with, quote, a family matter and the health of a loved one, end quote, as was announced by Cap Senior Vice President and General Manager Brian McClellan on Tuesday morning. Here was Cap's head coach Peter Laviolette with reporters on Tuesday morning. Your reaction to, to the open news not, not being available for you guys? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, um, it's, it's tough sometimes. Life's tough. And, you know, when it comes to your family and parents, and it's, um, that's what matters. And he's, gonna, he's, dealing, he's gonna go deal with some things right now, and, um, you know, we support him. Um, TJ said he had a chance to visit with, with the guys as well. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly for Alex. He's a very proud guy, and he cares about this team and his teammates and this organization, and it was important for him to talk to the, the players and the team. Yeah. Do you have any clue how long he might be gone? I, I don't right now. I, I, I don't see him back in the, you know, the foreseeable future. All right, so Peter Laviolette on Alex Ovechkin, quote, I don't see him back in the foreseeable future, end quote. Uh, It sounded in listening to Laviolette like one of Ovechkin's parents is dealing with something, but that's just a guess given the way that Laviolette was speaking. In any event, uh, we wish the Ovechkins well, and, you know, from a hockey standpoint, this obviously is a big blow for the Caps. Alex Ovechkin is having yet another really good season in what is his age 37 season. Well, then came the Caps game on Tuesday night, and the Caps lost. They fell to 28-22-6, a 3-2 loss to the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes at Capital One Arena. This in a preview of the Caps Stadium Series game against the Hurricanes this Saturday night. The Caps will play the Hurricanes at NC State's Carter-Finley Stadium this Saturday night 
at eight. Now, the Caps on Tuesday night weren't just without Alex Ovechkin. They remained without a number of key players due to injury. Defenseman John Carlson and forwards Tom Wilson, Nick Down, Connor Brown, and Carl Haglin. Also, winger Alexi Protis did not play due to his wife giving birth, but his replacement, winger and Herndon, Virginia native Joe Snively came through. He had a second period even strength goal and a first period primary assist. Uh, Snively was recalled from AHL affiliate Hershey on Tuesday morning, so instant impact from Joe Snively. Uh, the Caps did get back winger Anthony Mantha from a one-game absence caused by illness. A tough break for the Caps in the third period on Tuesday night. A game-tying third-period goal by defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk disallowed due to goaltender interference by the Caps as winger TJ Oshie was in the crease. Here was Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference. There's a loose puck in the crease. You know, we had two players go in the crease. They both, I think TJ is the one who got a stick on it. And to me, he's got a scoring opportunity. He gets he gets a hook and a trip from behind, but he doesn't fall on the goalie. The goalie goes down on his own. Yeah. And the puck squirts out quick. I think TJ maybe was on his blocker for less than one second because he got tripped as he was going in for the rebound. And it popped out the other side, and TVR put it in real quick. And really the only person that was on the goalie was their player in the end. I don't understand it, so I don't agree with the call. Yeah, that was one of those calls that could have gone either way. The puck possession battle in the game was about even, although the Caps, per natural stat trick, did have 14 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Hurricanes 9. The Caps did play a pretty good game. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender. He stopped 27 of the 30 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, a bad night for the Caps on special teams. The Caps went 0-1 of on the penalty kill and 0-3 of on the power play. The Caps are having a hard time scoring goals right now, and the team's best goal scorer, Alex Ovechkin, being out uh, clearly does not help. Next up for the Caps, home to the Florida Panthers, Thursday night at 7. It was earlier this month, February 3rd, that the Wizards, in the first of back-to-back weekend choke job losses, blew a 20-point second quarter lead in a 124-116 loss to the Portland Trailblazers at Capital One Arena. Well, the Wizards late night on Tuesday night held a big lead at the Blazers, but this time, no choking. <laughs> the Wizards improved to 27-30 and with a 126-101 win at the Blazers on Tuesday night. The Wizards never trailed in the game. They, in the fourth quarter, led by 25 points and ended up winning by 25 points. A really nice win for the Wizards, who now have won nine of their last 13 games. Uh, Still no news on Will Barton. His contract buyout negotiations apparently continue. I tell you, this is like negotiating a peace treaty, apparently. The Will Barton contract buyout. (laughs) Barton uh, did not play due to not being with the team. Uh, ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski this past Thursday evening reported that the Wizards were working on a contract buyout with Barton. But back for the Wizards late night on Tuesday night was Kyle Kuzma, and he was great. Kuzma returned from a four-game absence caused by a sprained left ankle that he suffered in the Wizards' 125-123 loss at the Brooklyn Nets on February 4th, uh, when the Wizards suffered the second of those back-to-back 
choke job losses. But Kuzma, late night on Tuesday night, 35 minutes, 54 seconds as a starter. He went 6 of 10 on threes. 5 of 10 on twos, 5 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 33 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists versus 3 turnovers, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 18. What a job by Kyle Kuzma in his return game. Now, the Blazers were without some key players. Uh, no use of Nurkic. Uh, also, no Jeremy Grant. Uh, Jeremy Grant, a local, he went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. He is the son of former bullet Harvey Grant. Uh, but still, the Wizards deserve a lot of credit. They played a very nice game. Uh, the Wizards' offense was terrific. The Wizards scored 126 points. The Wizards' shooting was excellent. They went 17 of 33 on threes, 28 of 46 on twos, and 19 of 22 on free throws. So the Wizards totaled 28 assists, did commit 16 turnovers, but still, the overall offensive package by the Wizards, uh, really good. And the Wizards' defense was good. The Wizards held the Blazers to just a 12 of 42 on threes, and the Wizards held the great Damian Lillard to a mere 5 of 17 on threes and got him to commit six turnovers, although Lillard did get his. He went 9 of 13 on twos, 6 of 7 on free throws, and he did finish with 39 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. So it's not like the Wizards shut down Damian Lillard, but they did hold him to a pretty inefficient game. Kristaps uh, Porzingis had another good game. He and Daniel Gafford did deal with foul trouble, but uh, Porzingis in just 29 minutes, 30 seconds as a starter, 28 points, 12 rebounds, including three offensive boards and five assists. He did commit four turnovers, but he went one of three on threes, nine of 12 on twos, and seven of seven on free throws. Uh, Bradley Beal, 32 minutes, 53 seconds as a starter. He went just one of five on threes, but also six of 10 on twos and four of five on free throws. And he finished with 19 points, four assists versus two turnovers and two rebounds. Next up for the Wizards, their final game before the NBA All-Star break at the Minnesota Timberwolves, Thursday night at eight. Well, if you go to KenPalm.com on this Wednesday, uh, you will see Georgetown as the number 209 team in men's basketball in Division One, 209th out of 363 teams. This is where we are with Georgetown basketball right now. The Hoyas fell to 6-21 and overall and 1-15 and in the Big East with a 76-68 loss at Seton Hall on Tuesday evening. Uh, the Hoyas never held a lead in the game. They did trim a 15-point second-half deficit to four points in the final minute, but uh, that was as close as the Hoyas got in the second half. The Hoyas had a terrible first half offensively. They, in the first half, scored just 20 points, went 0 of 7 on threes, and went just 8 of 21 on twos. Uh, the Hoyas for the game got worked in a number of scoring categories, got outscored in the paint 34-20, got outscored in fast break points 18-8, got outscored in points off turnovers 17-4, even though it's not like there was a big discrepancy in turnovers. The Hoyas did have a lot of turnovers, 16, but Seton Hall had 14 turnovers, uh, and the Hoyas totaled 18 free throw attempts to Seton Hall's 37. Uh, yes, you could say that Georgetown had a hard time of defending it without fouling. Uh, the Hoyas got outscored in terms of free throw points at 28-16. Uh, two Hoyas starters, Primo Spears and Brandon Murray, 
They struggled from the field for a second consecutive game. The Duquesne transfer, Primo Spears, 37 minutes as a starter, 0 of 4 on threes, just a 6 of 15 on twos. Andy committed six turnovers. He did go 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, five assists, and four rebounds. And the LSU transfer, Brandon Murray, 38 minutes as a starter, 0 of 7 on threes, just a 2 of 6 on twos. He committed three turnovers. He finished with just four points. He did have eight rebounds, two steals, and two assists. And Georgetown remains without Maryland transfer Kudis Wahab, uh, who, remember, transferred from Georgetown to Maryland and then back to Georgetown. Uh, Kudis did not play for a second consecutive game due to what Hoyas head coach Patrick Ewing during his postgame press conference following the Hoyas 89-75 loss to then number 10 Marquette at Capital One Arena this past Saturday afternoon called, quote, personal family issues, end quote. Uh, the Hoyas have all kinds of issues right now. Next up for Georgetown at Butler, Sunday afternoon at 3. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 509. We'll feature plenty on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk college basketball. Number seven in Virginia is at Louisville Wednesday night at seven. Virginia Tech is at Georgia Tech Wednesday night at seven. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm proud of the boys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.